Life Audio. You're listening to Therapy and Theology, and I'm your host, Carly Merclear. This podcast is a space where we explore popular topics and questions related to the convergence of faith, feelings, spiritual formation, and more. My prayer is that through these conversations, we will grow in our awareness of who we are as beloved children of God, learn to acknowledge our needs and emotions with curiosity and compassion, and rediscover the purpose and power of our unique stories through the lens of the gospel. As a licensed therapist and ministry leader, I want to give voice to the many questions we face while cultivating a clearer view of how our faith informs our healing journey. I don't have all the answers, but I am committed to going deeper and walking together. So whether you've been to therapy or know exactly what you believe when it comes to theology, I want to invite you to join this journey as we fearlessly name the complexities of our present reality and press into the hope of the gospel story. So are you ready? Let's jump into today's question and begin this journey together. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Hello and welcome back to Therapy and Theology. We are diving back into another episode on singleness, sexuality, and spiritual formation. And today, this is our concluding episode, and I'm excited to be co-hosting with my dear friend and ministry partner, Emily Woody. We're going to be talking about all things singleness, about sexual shame, and redefining our stories in light of God's glory. And so Emily has been working in ministry for over 20 years and holds a Master's of Divinity and is also the author of Proven Women, a workbook for women to seek and pursue sexual integrity. Additionally, Emily is currently a staff member at my church, which is such a blessing, and oversees the residency program, which I walked through several years ago. And I have been able to work alongside her for the past several years, and it's been such a gift. So welcome, my friend. I am so glad to have you here today. I am so glad to be here. So I would love to start this conversation on the topic of singleness and our stories by having you just share about your story and the narrative you grew up believing and how God has been rewriting that story to reflect a greater narrative when it comes to singleness and sexuality. Absolutely. Yes. Well, I definitely know a lot about singleness. I am 40. I've dated a little bit, but barely. And so I've been single most of my life. And I always just assumed it was something that was going to happen. Yeah. Um, yes. From the time I was a little kid, I was the girl that always had a crush on someone. There's always a crush. too. And... And then moved into college and just, I, I, I 
admit it. I'm not proud of it, but I went to college for my MRS degree to become a missus. It's because I always wanted to do ministry. Like my dad was a pastor. My mom was an amazing pastor's wife and I wanted to do ministry. And it's the only way I knew for a woman to do ministry was to be married to a man in ministry. And so I didn't even know what to major in. So I'm like, I'm just here to find my husband. <laughs> uh, and then graduation happened, n- no man. Mm. And it, it, a lot of disappointment. Yeah. A lot of like, well, what's, what's wrong with me that mm. men are pursuing me? Yeah. Common question. Mm-hmm. And I just, I think the one thing that I'm grateful for that God has helped me like in framing it from the beginning. Mm is his will over my will. And so I did trust that God had a plan for my life and that if I kept seeking him, I'd be within his plan. Mm. I just assumed marriage would be in there yes. at a yeah. point. That's part of so, his plan, right? That's right. what we were so, told. So, so, I can't say I've not ever been upset with God or disappointed with God because it's like, God, you could write yeah. this into my story at any point you want to. And, and I do think it's when I'm in my like weaker moments of, and Satan can attack of just accusing like, you're not good enough. You're not womanly enough. You're not funny enough. You're not what you, all the enoughs. And so there's, there's a lot of, sh- of shame in that of just over rejection, over yeah. the feeling being like being left behind. Yeah. Like all of our friends graduating and getting married and now having babies and yeah. And then yeah. Being picked over. But God has helped me to rewrite it, to reframe it mm-hmm. and just knowing he does have purpose in everything. Absolutely. I think also as I've like gotten older and been able to be friends with others that are single and other people that are married, I've also had to learn the hard lesson. The marriage is not the fix-all end. Yeah, it's not the ideal, right? <laughs> so I have... We need to talk more about that. <laughs> it was it was very refreshing for me to get into a small group that had married people with kids in it and just hear about all of the, the heartache and stress. And I've always been around other single people and we... I think they had this idealistic thing of like, when this happens, yeah, life will be better. And that's not the case. It's not. No. And I, I think I talk about this with my clients a lot. And as myself to just self-locate, I also have been single and have always desired marriage. And I think that has been such a difficult storyline in my life mm-hmm. because there's been so much grief surrounding the idea of God giving this desire of marriage, right, to both of us. And then for him to not follow through on that, I likened it once to receiving a gift and then opening it to find it empty. Yeah. And just feeling so hurt, like, and, and, and this impacting my spiritual formation in some areas of just kind of questioning God's goodness and love towards me because I just somehow thought that was, well, I was told that. And we'll get into that for a second. I was told that marriage was a promise of God. Yeah. And then to realize in my early twenties, mid twenties that, oh, wait, marriage isn't a promise of God. Mm-hmm. And so there's got to be something else that I'm missing here. And so the rewriting of that story for anyone that's single, maybe if you're listening, that is a very painful process. And so as we sit here together, we, we get it. We're here in that. And we want to speak some words, um, of just healing and hopefully life to, to anyone that's in that same spot. So. I want to just dive right in. Yeah, let's do to messages in our culture. Tell me just a little bit about your experience with messages that came out of Christian culture 
and how it impacted maybe your view of yourself in singleness? Yeah, I think it's really confusing. So as a single person, because you're often told, yeah, these are going to be the most important relationships in your life. Mm -hmm. Your spouse is the most important relationship and then your kids are follow that. But then you're also told as a single person that you're supposed to be content. (laughs) And so it gets so confusing when it's like, what is my heart supposed to do? Because I, these are, this is so important and I'm not supposed to want it. And for me, I struggled for a long time because I also would get jealous when I see it happen with other people. And I would feel guilty over desiring it. Yeah. Um, and so I tried to stop wanting it. And I tried just to turn off those desires. And God showed me in turning off those desires, I was turning off my entire heart. Mm-hmm. And that I couldn't be like on fire. I couldn't love him and desire him. So I just like turned off my heart completely. Mm-hmm. But I did it because of just the confusion of all the different messages of like, be content. Just, I don't know. It's like, do all these things and don't do all these things at the same time. Exactly. Yeah. And as a Christian, I think there's a challenge there of like our culture, our secular culture is saying just like, do whatever you want, be happy, you know? And we, we've talked about sexuality and sexual stewardship in other episodes, but from the Christian ideal of like, just wait till you're married or, you know, pray for your future spouse. Those, I think, for my story specifically, were really damaging in some ways because I think I was so focused Mm -hmm. on the man that I would marry someday rather than on why I was maybe waiting until marriage or choosing to, you know, maybe not date too early or whatever it was. So my my formation around it wasn't because I want to be holy and set apart from the culture for Christ, but it was, I just have to wait and pray and be a good Christian in order to get the good guy. And then when that didn't happen, it's that empty present again, you know, of like, wait, but I did all the right things and like God didn't come through. And so I don't know if that's been your experience as well in some ways of like those, those Christian cliches, I guess you could say, that kind of lock us into a shame state of like, wow, what does it say about me if I'm not? Well, and even I worked uh, at Christian college for 12 years. And so even hearing in the different chapels there of you're in this place right now, this is going to be the best place for you to find your husband. Yeah. And if you uh, can't find one here, you probably will never find one. No. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, I heard that multiple times. And, and I'm sitting there, yes, as a college student years ago, but then I'm sitting there as a 25-year-old and then as a 30-year-old yeah. and then as a 35-year-old. And I'm like, these poor students are hearing this and they aren't guaranteed a husband. And then I'm trying not to sit there feeling wounded and that I'm just a complete failure because I've went through the place where there's this sea and plethora. Yeah. Yeah. Of, but it's like, but we that wasn't. It. Yeah. We missed the boat. <laughs> we missed the boat. <laughs> but it isn't God's destination for everybody. It's right. It's not God's goal mm-hmm. and his plan for everybody and and even if it is it may not be right at 22 or 25 mm-hmm. like life doesn't start at the all amen you know how many times i just want to speak into that for a second because i have heard so many women maybe it, it, very much older than both of us who will say like my life began when 
And so what that immediately does is it categorizes and casts shame on anyone that doesn't fit that general model. Mm -hmm. And so I talked about this last week with Josh, um, and I think it's so important to be able to speak back into this theology of family in the kingdom of God that is not just the nuclear family, the traditional American dream. So where do singles fall? And I think that's been such a hard thing to navigate because I think the shame script there, or the message I've been hearing for 10 years now, you know, after college, and now I'm 30 and I'm like, okay, I'm still single, but in some cities that's still normal, right? But in, in this evangelical kind of area in Virginia, we, we aren't the, the majority or the minority. And where do we fit in? And I think there's been a lot of like, like you had said earlier of like, what is wrong with me? Right. I remember having this conversation with my dad soon after I graduated in college. I went home for a year and my particular church, and it was an amazing church, but it had a college class at like its youth college class and then all of these like adult Bible fellowships, but they were all like married people. Mm. And I was just talking to my dad, like it was one of those, like I knew deep down the truth. You, you're like truth. You're having, you're trying to reconcile that with how you feel. And yes. like, God, yes. I, or no, my dad, dad, I know there's nothing wrong with me that I am still single right now, but I feel okay. that I yeah. am behind yeah, I feel like I have like messed up somehow. Mm. And when I walk into church and I don't know where I belong, it is really, really hard for me to fight against yeah. those lies when there's not a place for me to fit in mm. at the church, which is where I'm supposed to like belong the most. Yeah. I think the church has put so much emphasis on the nuclear family. Yeah. When Jesus redefined the family, yes, he says, who are my and mom and my brothers and sisters yeah. like those that do my will these are my brothers and mm-hmm. sisters but it, it is hard and i know it's like mm-hmm. our church i feel like our church does it so well yeah. they do they're church. so hard mm-hmm. yeah there are but there are other churches that just put so much emphasis mm-hmm. on marriage and a nuclear family yeah and i do want to caveat this because as we were preparing for this episode we were talking about like i think for me and I'll, I'll talk more about this in a little bit, but I, I did become frustrated with the idealization of marriage and therefore like kind of was like mad at marriage for one. Yeah. <laughs> and I want to be able to make sure I say like, I think marriage is a beautiful thing. Oh, and, yeah. And it is God's design. And it's but it's also not a promise. And it's also not the the thing that brings us to fulfillment right. um, because it's still an earthly thing. It has its own messiness. And I, as I talk to many of my married friends, you know, we always joke about how like, it's all hard. Being single's hard. Being married's hard. Life is hard. <laughs> yeah, life is just hard. Exactly. And so I think as we move into more of those topics, we'll talk a little bit deeper on like the theology of both marriage and singleness. And I think that goes into our rewriting. When I love what you said earlier about like, when I have those moments as a single person where the lies are just really hard. Mm-hmm. And I get in my head about, you know, why hasn't anyone seen me? Or like, why am I just not enough? Like those, those shame scripts, you know, we have to have a theology that gives us language against that. Yeah. To be able to say, no, no, no. Scripture says that singleness is actually honorable. 
and it has a high calling in the church. And yet what I think is the problem that I see is that that's not being shown up in our culture, our Christian culture. And therefore there is this like in imbalance, so to speak, as we kind of process through different shame scripts, I also kind of want to lean into how we view our sexuality as single people, because I don't know about you, but for me, sexuality for a while, I was just angry. I was like, I am a sexual person. And what do I do with sexuality? Whether that be, as I've talked about in past episodes, whether that be just relational sexuality, social sexuality, or erotic sexuality, we have sexual desires, right? Our bodies were created with that. And so what do we do with that Mm -hmm. as single people? Because we got to learn how to do something with that. We got to learn how to steward that as single people. I feel like there's a lot of confusion and even compromise on how we live integrated with our sexuality, yet maintain abstinence or set apartness from our hookup culture, which tells us to do whatever feels good. Mm-hmm. So can we talk a little bit about maybe just first thoughts that you have on just shame and sexual desire? Yeah, I think, yes, as always, wait until you get married. Which is true. Like, you're, yes. So we are supposed to wait until I get married. Yes. But it also, it, it was often almost taught like sex is a naughty word. Yeah. That's how you get married. And your head is all of a sudden this beautiful thing. And so for me being single for so long, and I'm also, when I worked with college students, I was always talking to single people. I even realized, man, I'm talking about this like it's a bad thing and it's not. Yeah. And I was asked to be on a panel talking, it was a Valentine's Day years and years ago. And so they want to talk to all these student leaders mm. about this, about singleness and sexuality and marriage and all these things. And so I mm. prayed ahead of time and I'm like, God, I don't want to get into, because I've had to say no to this for sure or wrong. Yeah. I don't want to start getting into a mentality that this is bad and evil. What it, What do you want my view of sexuality to be? And not just sexuality, but sex. Yeah, sexual desire. Yes. Yeah, yeah. What do you want? How do you want me to view sex as a single person? And the word he gave me, which I love, is Emily, it's sacred. Mm. It is not something to entertain yourself with or to explore or to, uh, or I mean, to experiment or to, you know, it's, it's not all these yeah. things. So it's just for self-indulgence. Right, right. It really, it but it's awesome. also not anything to like, become ashamed of of this the fact that like the oh i thought about it or it's just like this is a good beautiful thing that god designed yeah and it doesn't it's not evil and then you get married and it's good yeah it's just designed for a particular place well and i think that's so true for my married friends who have kind of gone from the Christian culture that in some ways, and I've talked about this in previous episodes, have really demonized sexuality mm-hmm. or even like called for like just a disembodiment of our experience. And then it's like, oh, but you get married. It's like, go have sex or go be sexual. And and we can't do that. Like, right. that's actually really harmful to our bodies. And so I think it's so important to be able to, like you said, like recognize like this, the desire we have even as single people, maybe we don't get to act on that desire, but we get to embody that desire and say, this is good. Yeah. This is good because God designed me with this and how I steward it is, is reaching out, you know, into community and finding people to walk alongside. As I've said before in other episodes, you know, our sexual desire and longings 
are both biological and emotional signals for our need for intimacy and connection, not just orgasm. Although that is good too and is part of sex, it's not all there is to sexual satisfaction. Sex goal is beyond the act itself. And so when as a single person, when sexual desire is brought up in my life, it's such an opportunity to be able to turn towards it, not away from it, not to deny it or to feel shame about it because it's part of my body's design that's good, but then to shift out of those net negative messages and say, how is God using this desire for intimacy and connection to connect me to people, you know, as a single person, what can I do? I think we talk a lot about what we can't do. And I said a lot about that in a previous episode, but what can we do? It's about connecting to people. And like, when was the last time you hugged someone? Like, when was the last time you were held by someone? Like, those are beautiful and good things that we can do in community that satisfy like the need for intimacy in different ways, not in a marriage way, but in a healthy way for singles. So I would love to just go back to what you said earlier about desire and lust, because I think we get those really confused and there's so many shame messages whenever we experience sexual desire. And I've had so many conversations, even, you know, with, with people that are close to me that will just throw that word around. Yeah. Like, oh, that's lust. That's lust. And, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, but, but what is lust and what is desire? Right. Let's, let's talk a little bit. About well, that. I think it's, it's tricky because the Bible does say altercation will start from our desires. And mm-hmm. so there are some desires that will, that will quickly lead into lust or our, the, the desire could be lustful. Yeah. But we also have good desires and yes. we are allowing God to like refine our hearts yeah. and make our heart more and more transformed into his image. There are good deep down desires, desire to be known and loved and to know people and love people. The desire for intimacy is such a good desire. It is a good desire. But I think I was, I don't know if I was taught this or just came up with a conclusion that any desire for sex is lust. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yes. so many people believe that. Yeah, so, but that can't be true because they're like, you husbands and wives should desire sex. Right, right. <laughs> so as I was writing Proven Women, because I think, so I then it turns into, well, any desire for sex before marriage is lust, but we're just still desiring something that God made. Mm-hmm. And so it was defined, uh, this is a paraphrase of the definition in it, but it's designed as like a, very much a self-centeredness. It's lust is using people as an object to fulfill a desire of our heart for satisfaction. Yep. For self, for self gain. Yeah. Whereas love is giving of self for the benefit of someone else. Mm-hmm. And it feels so mutual. Me. Like desire yes. is mutual where lust is self-centered. Yes. I think it's so interesting. Scripture talks about this. Like it's all about sexuality. Like read Song of Songs, right? They desire and they celebrate their relational intimacy. But when we look at the way we choose to meet our sexual needs in a way that's maybe more lustful, I would think of pornography, you know, or the way we utilize maybe masturbation or hookup culture, casual sex. They're outlets of sexual expression that disconnect us from the power and depth of sexuality that it was created for, right? This is where we get caught up and stuck in shame when we are trying to meet our sexual needs in ways that God never intended, right? Because God never intended our sexuality to be an individual thing. Yeah. It was always meant to be intimate with... It's connecting. It's connecting. Yeah. Yeah. And so 
to try and find the fulfillment, like the the pleasure of it individually was never God's design. Yeah, I think it always goes to reaching beyond ourselves. And in many ways, you know, such things, anything, anything that we're choosing to meet our sexual needs become more, I think, of a way of maintaining isolation in shame and actually increase our loneliness rather than connect us to intimacy in the ways that we actually want, right? There are so many views on this. I will put that out there. Yet I have wrestled through so many questions myself and studied and sat with countless clients. And I found that sexual expression through eroticism is a good and powerful thing that is meant to connect us with another person in the context of covenant. Because when we miss that, things break down quickly. Yeah, And I don't think, at least in my own experience and the stories that I've heard and shared in I haven't heard other scripts, you know, that that say something different that like, hey, this is what I'm doing and I'm just meeting my own sexual needs and the way I want to. And I'm feeling great about it. You know, I think there's something so safe about covenant yeah. and commitment when we're talking about erotic sexuality. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you have any other thoughts. On well, that. I would just also say in being, you know, single as long as I have and not experiencing that because I'm not in covenant, but also because I am in community with people who love me mm-hmm. and who do know me well. And Carly, you are one of those friends I can be honest about anything with. I feel like I'm so known by you that there there can be fulfillment in yes. life. Yes. Without going to all the way to what God designed within marriage. Intimacy is not contained to a relationship, like a romantic relationship. I think that's really important for singles to understand is that we aren't just known and loved and seen and connected if we're in a relationship. Like that doesn't give us our worth and value alone. Like it can't. That person will never, ever satisfy you fully. Right. Even if they're the best partner ever. Right. Right. So I want to dive into this redefining of our stories We've talked through the messages and maybe even clarified some things when it comes to like how we live this out as singles. But I want to talk about the passages in scripture that actually give us a high view of singleness and a high view of marriage and can help us with our theology around this. Because I think for myself, I, as I said earlier, like I tend to I tended to lean towards being really like, no, I'm single. I don't need a man. Like it's going to be fine. I can do this. But I also want to hold space for the fact that marriage is also beautiful. And so let's dive into 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Paul here is writing clarification of what marriage and sexuality is to be in the church. Corinth needed a lot of help, and he had said something in a previous letter, so he was clarifying himself. And in verse 17, he says this, and I think this is such a great foundation for us. Only let each person lead the life that God has assigned to him and to which God has called him or her. (laughs) This is my rule in all churches. So I just want to start with that. I don't know if you have anything to add when it comes to this theology. And well, I I think that word, like each one to which he is assigned and as it goes into, it's going to say married and it's going to like an assignment being single. And it just shows that like he is affirming each of those yes. assignments. Yes, it's equal. It, it's equal. <laughs> equal in value. And I said this to you earlier, Carly, yeah. God's assignments for us trumps our marital status. Mm. That's so good. It's so true. And I think we miss this because we've been so focused on that being 
the gift or that being the assignment. Mm -hmm. I love when it says, let each person lead the life. We are called to lead. Our mission as believers is to, to be on mission for the good of others and the glory of God. And so I think that this is such a powerful charge for singles to say, hey, let's stop waiting around. Like I think for myself and you've, we've talked about this before in so many conversations of like, oh, I need to wait to buy a house or I need to wait to buy the car. I need to wait to be a foster parent. Like, no, we don't. Like we need to lead the life that God has assigned to us. And this is something that I've learned and cried over frequently, but that if marriage isn't in my life right now and a relationship isn't in my life right now, then God's best for me is right here. Because God is doesn't withhold good things, right. right? And so that is a hard but helpful truth for me. Right, double. It is hard not to wait, though. Um, like I did buy a house. We're actually sitting in my house right now, <laughs> and I've had it for eleven years. Yes, and I love my home, but I somehow I don't know I don't know what it is, but I think I expect marriage to be this like catalyst mm. that's all of a sudden going to kick myself into gear and like give me the drive for yeah even more like future ministry, future whatever, like more, even more plans are going to be able to like start going once there is marriage. And that's so different than what the Bible says yes. about this particular thing. Yes. It's like actually the opposite of Truly. the Bible. Yeah. Will you read the next part of this passage for us? Yeah. So starting, uh, it's first Corinthians seven, starting in verse 32. And he's at this point, he's now writing to Two singles. He goes, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man or woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. And his interests are divided. Mm. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. So it's crazy for me to think, oh, I have more opportunities once I'm married because my devotion will be divided at that point. <laughs> right. More things to think about, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, it's even something that I'm wrestling through right now of like, God, I've had a dream of marriage for so long and not to say that I'm not going to get married. Sure. But I've, it's been hard for me to have other dreams beyond that. That's good. Yeah. And it's like, okay, yeah. God, I'm not taking, I'm no longer have a dream of being married, but can we like take that lens out and can I see all of the other dreams for right now yeah. that are, that, yeah, the good dreams. Mm -hmm that won't wait until marriage. Yeah, I think that is such a helpful thing for us to realize. It's like, what are we dreaming for? You know, what what does it look like in this moment? What are we created for? And what are we devoting our time and energy to? Because if it's to be consumed with like shame or to be feeling stuck because we aren't married yet and our life hasn't started yet, then we aren't living to the fullest, I think, right. that God has called us to. And Grace Thornton, author of I Don't Wait Anymore, she writes this profound insight in her story of singleness. And she says this, no matter what we do here, no matter how we live life, married or single, childless or raising a herd of kids, doing an accounting job or digging wells in Africa, 
We do it to know God and to get him. Mm. And this has been such a helpful reframe for me as I try to rewrite the story that I thought was going to happen. Right. Right. And and say, okay, I need to grieve the maybe dream that isn't what my life is right now and, and open my heart up to say whatever life brings, it is going to be beautiful and good because God is going to be in it. Yeah. And that is sure. Like that is the thread throughout the storyline. Carly, I love that you just said that if we're waiting for marriage for life to begin, we're not living life to the full. Cause that just reminded me of John 10. Yeah. Where it says the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. I, Jesus is the one talking. I came that mm-hmm. they may have marriage so that we can be live life to the full. <laughs> no, no. Jesus came to give life so that we may live life to the full. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is what brings like fullness of life. Yes. Mass marriage. Mm-hmm. Whatever we're doing, wherever we are, the focus and the motivation as a believer is to glorify God. It's just harder when you're married, <laughs> is what scripture is telling me. <laughs> and Paul was like, hey, I think everybody should be single like me. I mean, uh, Jesus was single. I mean, Jesus was single. That's right. And so I think we need to elevate maybe our view of singleness yeah. and balance our view of marriage. Yeah. You know, so that, that can, they can be more equal rather than one being put on a pedestal and idealized and one being maybe shamed or dismissed for some right. as incompleteness because the Lord calls us to, to him and life and whatever life brings is what we are to lead in, whether that be marriage or singleness. All right. So as we close, I would love for us to just share a few of the lessons that we've learned yeah. in being single for X amount of years. Do you want to go first and just share a few hard, good lessons of the single life? Sure. This one lesson, I have to share a story there, this lesson to make sense. But I was probably in my 30s at this point, early 30s. And there's another woman that was in my office that I, she was in the original office, didn't know her well, thought she was single. We're in a meeting together a couple days later. And I see an engagement ring on her finger and I just deflated. Yeah. Like suddenly telling Jess like, caved in me and I started giving myself a pity party I, I could share the words another one bites the dust go <laughs> in my head because I was miserable and misery lives company yep and I remember walking through the hallway at my office and I felt like God stopped me in my tracks and almost like slapped me on across the forehead there's not many many times when God just like, I just like, he speaks, it, it's not audible words, but like, I know the words he's saying to me. Yeah. And I just felt like he said, Emily, stop it. You are walking around like the word singleness is written on your forehead. And it's not, you have labored just yourself as a single woman. And I have never given yourself that label. You are just a woman and you are, uh, you are who I want you to be. You are where I want you to be. You're doing what I want you to be doing. There's no stigma on you, but you've put one on yourself. And that was such a healing day for me because I realized part of my desire for marriage was the desire to escape the shame of singleness. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. And when singleness no longer had a shame on it, and I realized, oh, I am as fully woman right now as I will ever be. Marriage is not going to add more 
to my woman or to my personhood. Like it's going right. to right. bring more, th- you know, it's, it's, yeah, yes, it would change things. And you know, there's so much good to it, but I'm not less than that's right. Being single. That's right. And I think I was also trying to escape out of loneliness, but loneliness is just a part of life. Single people are lonely. Married people are lonely. That's right. And so for a long time, desire for marriage was not just a desire towards something, but it was an even bigger desire away from something. Yeah. And then when God kind of showed, like shed light on that of like, it's just as bright on this side of marriage too. Like there's going to be brightness in marriage. There's brightness in singleness that yeah. I don't have to, because I was almost desperate to get married by yeah. him. Yes, out of, almost maybe even out of fear in my fear. story. Yeah, of like, yeah, what am I gonna do? Yeah, <laughs> and so when yeah. God kind of like lit up this light of like, this is good too, and mm-hmm. you are who I want you to be, then marriage became a desire and not this like desperation. Yeah, and that that connects with my hard lesson too because I've had to learn in even the last several years that like just because it's not the way I thought it was gonna be doesn't mean it's not good and and that is such a a hard thing to metabolize i think in our culture when we have this expectation we oftentimes and i think pastor ridgen says this a lot in church is like we often have an expectation for god that he like never said what's true like the expectation for me all of my life was that marriage was a promise of god and i dreamt and dreamed and focused on what my life would look like and so it's really hard for us to shift out of that expectation when we recognize that like God offers us himself. Yes. And that is good. You know, that is good news. And and that doesn't get taken away from me, unlike any other earthly thing can. And so it doesn't have to look the way we thought it was going to look in order for it to be good. Amen. Important thing. But, Amen. All right. Another lesson. Another lesson. Um <laughs> I just went along with mine. Sure. Um, my other lesson is don't have tunnel vision on moving towards marriage because I was always like, I think so many times I would sit down in my quiet time wanting to hear from God, but always what I wanted to hear was something that was going to move me towards marriage. Yeah. Or I wanted to look, I, I talk often with friends about looking for God's fingerprints in my life. Like what's yeah. evidence like God's at work. Yeah. But I the fingerprints I wanted to see the most were the ones about marriage. And I just had tunnel vision on it. And I would feel like I wasn't being faithful or he wasn't speaking to me. If he wasn't speaking about those things, like yeah. I only had ears to hear that. Oh, and funny. when we can take like our tunnel vision glasses off and just look at God, where are you? How are you working my life in like all different avenues? Mm-hmm. I have so, so many things I can be grateful for. Yeah. But I'm looking for this particular thing. I can like focus on what to be ungrateful for. Yeah. It can be all about the thing I don't have and not about all the things, all the things I do have. And so I think though, the reason it goes with my last lesson is I was able to do that once I wasn't afraid of singleness. Yeah. They connect. So I was in, when I was in more of that desperate place, it's like I, I was almost, I was was in survival mode that I needed to see how God was doing this in my life. Mm. And then once he showed me, like, you are okay. <laughs> and, like, life is good whether you're single or married. And you're, you're a complete person whether you're single or married. Then it's just like, okay, then I can be in, I can remain in this as long as I need to be and be grateful for 
all of the other things that make this still good. Yeah. And so what do you do with, I think we talked about this a little bit earlier when we were prepping is like, what do we do with then the prayers? Like, you know, people talk about praying for their future husband. Yeah. Things like that. You, you've shifted now out of this like tunnel focus of like, I'm, I'm really focused on like, God, bring that man yeah. into my life. But what could it look like? How do we shift out of that like focus? Or for me, it was like, I'm st- I'm not done. I'm done praying for my future husband because he ain't coming, you know? Yeah. Like, I think we can lean one, one side to the other. Well, so, so funny because I'm not, what's so interesting because we just did an all day prayer yes. at our church a couple of days yeah. ago. And I was sitting with a dear friend towards the end of it. And we were praying over one another at the end. Mm. So I prayed for her about something. She's like, how can I pray for you? And I was like, well, you know what? I often, I always ask people to pray for a husband for me. And so I'm still going to ask for that. And my life is really full right now. Like I'm good. Yeah. And I still want God to do this in my life. Mm. But there are times, I mean, we're not always going to be good. Right. So there's going to be times when I'm going to be very grieving about the fact that this desire is not fulfilled. Absolutely. So there was a time I was wrestling with God about, and this was along with a different theology. I was told when I was little that God always answers prayers and he answers it. Yes, no, or wait. And it's hard to be continually praying for something if you don't know if God's saying no or wait. Yeah. In fact, I have a filled prayer journal from 2005 that I pray it's uh Lord pray for my husband I am but yeah I have a few of these too (laughs) I mean I don't know if I'm gonna give it to my wedding day because it's now almost 20 years old (laughs) but it's like God were those wasted prayers that's exactly don't know if it's a no or wait and then it hit me so there's a verse in Hebrews 5 I love and talks about Jesus when he was in the garden it says when Jesus was in the flesh he cried out with loud cries and tears to the one who could have saved him from death. Mm. And he was heard because of his reverence. And that is talking about him in the garden. And he was praying for God to remove the cup. But obviously the answer was no. Yeah. And so it's like, so to God, I don't know, it just meant so much to know, like in, in a time when God was, or when Jesus was praying a request, the answer was no. He was still heard because of his reverence and then in one of the gospels it says angels came and ministered to him and i believe he like he was empowered through that prayer to endure the cross in the garden and so what god showed me was like emily sometimes i'm going to answer with a yes and sometimes i'm going to answer with a no but even when i say no i still always answer with power yeah. because he's going to empower us to continue to walk through that maybe the very thing we're asking him to change and so it hit me it no words have been no words in the presence of god has been wasted because everything has shaped who i am today that i know i would be a cheated bitter woman if I didn't spend as much time in the throne room of God talking to him about all the desires of my heart. Well, and I think that's such a beautiful frame for it because it's like God wants to hear about it. Mm-hmm. And I think what I love about Jesus' example in the garden is that he begged for the cup to be taken away. And yet he said at the end of that prayer, your will be done for not mine. And I think that is the posture that I want to come to is that I'm going to keep praying faithfully for what I feel is a desire of my heart. Mm -hmm. And the end of that prayer is always 
your will, your will be done. I, I want to end with maybe one more lesson that maybe you could speak into too, Emily, as we both are walking in our callings. Mm-hmm. You know, something Pete Scazzaro says in his book, um, Emotionally Healthy Leadership, is that we need to be leading out of what the passage in Corinthians talks about leading the life that God has assigned us to. And as a single, I need to be leading out of the singleness that I have been given as a gift, as a, a, a stewardship. And so something that has been a really good, hard lesson for me is to be able to acknowledge the beauty of the breath of love that I'm able to display in the world. You know, as a therapist and a friend and a mentor and someone that's working in my church, to be able to say the ability I get to sit with so many young women and the ability of the opportunity and calling and goodness of God to allow me to be in so many people's lives right. is a gift. It is a gift. And when I've been able to frame it that way, it's been such a help to me because I think I sometimes I desire being a mom and being a wife. And yet I recognize that I'm a spiritual mother to so many mm-hmm. or I have these relationships that I can see are are such a gift and for my married friends that say like, oh, Carly, like, you know, what you're able to do, you couldn't do if you were hiring. And so like to be able to embrace the assignment, I think is yes. something that I've learned. So, you know, what what is the assignment that God has called us to? And let's embrace that. For sure. It's going to look different then when and if we get married. One thing that was so helpful for me, because I think when people are married, it's known you need to have time to be able to invest in your marriage and your kids. Yeah. And it almost so felt like as single people where we should we we are more available but what it did is it gave me permission to also be like no i also need those deep relationships are gonna be life giving in my life yes and so i also need to take time to invest in my friendships you're going to pour back into me mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. to, to be able to have time for the intimacy that is needed to be known and to know well yeah. in my life and it's like, it's okay to figure out what fills. But how has God wired me to fill my cup and take the time for those things and not feel selfish for doing those things because it's not as important as a relationship with a spouse or a relationship right. with kids. Right. But God made us all relational. So I have as much of a right to invest in my relationships as a wife has invest in a husband and kids. I think we miss that. We miss this the theology of community in the sense that like because it's so committed in a marriage but why are we more committed in our relationships with each other you know like a consistency and the secure attachment that that comes with texts every day or you know just like i think we we don't see that as like a beautiful and needed thing like it's okay to be able to reach out and to be connected to people and we need that as single people so other single people out there yes I would say not necessarily who is your person, like your romantic person, but who are your people? Because you need to have your people. And if you don't have them right now, be asking God Mm. to bring them into our life because he designed us to love him with all of our heart, but also to love our neighbor and to, to be loved. Like we need those relationships. Absolutely. Well, I want to close with a passage from Philippians that has been really just speaking to me recently. And I love how Paul, in the midst of his imprisonment, writes about rejoicing in Christ. And he uses this phrase in verse 
18, at the end of 18, beginning of 19, he says this in chapter one, yes, I will rejoice for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ, this, his imprisonment, will turn out for my deliverance. And as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. And I just pray this for myself and for anyone listening that maybe feels like life feels wasted or life isn't turning out the way we thought it would, that even this, whatever the this is for you, even this will turn out for God's glory and and that we can hope with eager expectation and full courage that with the help of the Holy Spirit in our community, He will equip us to honor Him and to glorify Him in our bodies. So thank you so much, Emily, for coming. Yep. Thank I, you for having So grateful that we got to have this chat today. <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Therapy and Theology. If you have a question or topic you would like discussed on a future episode, please feel free to email me or drop it in the comments. Also, don't forget to subscribe to have each week's episode instantly downloaded to your podcasts and see the show notes for resources mentioned in this episode. To access more content and join my monthly email list, For the latest updates and info, visit my website at carlymarkwilliam.com. I'm Billy Yancey, entrepreneur, fitness cowboy, father, retired Navy cornerback, and now podcast host. Listen to my new show, Billy and the Goat, on Life Audio. Happy listening.